Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Get the inside scoop on how to help your child become successful in and out of school. As parents, we know that your child can sometimes forget to share the notes from their backpack. That's why we've launched this podcast just for you. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Helen Westmoreland. And I'm Keisha DeSandys-Luster, and we're your co-hosts. We've talked a lot, Helen, about the learning that happens in school, but today we're going to discover more about the learning that happens outside of school, especially during the summer. It's so true, Keisha. So as you know, my daughter is still not yet in kindergarten, so her learning still looks very year-round and similar, but I am guessing Ellington has had some summer experiences. Is that right? Yes. My son is six and three quarters, and he has done lots of camp experiences. He's done the nature camp. He's done soccer camp. He's done robotics, which he really liked last summer. And he's also done some programs with his martial arts academy that they have different themes every week, which he loves. Ooh, that sounds fun. You go, Mama. That's an extensive summer programming list. Yes, got to keep them busy (laughs) and learning. (laughs) Well, we are excited today to learn more about what high-quality summer learning looks like and how we can ensure all families can have access to that array of programming. We are thrilled to welcome Broderick Clark, Vice President, Programs and Systems Quality at the National Summer Learning Association, to the show today. Broderick has extensive experience working with public school students, primarily in out-of-school settings. He has recruited and trained hundreds of youth workers and volunteers. As a seasoned professional development trainer, Broderick incorporates research and best practice with interactive simulations to engage his audience in dynamic learning. Welcome to the show, Broderick. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you here with us today. We'd like to start episodes off just learning a little bit more about our guests. So could you tell me a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to the National Summer Learning Association? What do you do there? Absolutely. So I'm a New York City product, Brooklyn, New York. So shout out to all the native New Yorkers. That's that born, yeah. <laughs> I went to college and I wanted to be a television producer. Honestly, I wanted to... What? work cameras. And then one time while I was on campus, I was volunteering at an after-school program. Of course, at the time, I had no idea what after-school was or what that actually meant. But I do know there was this little guy that every time I went to the center, he just gravitated to me. And yeah, it was about homework help and learning and getting to know and doing a little bit of mentorship. But I couldn't go there for a little while. Mm. And then when I went back, This young guy, when I walked into the room, he ran all the way across the room, knocked stuff over, grabbed onto my leg, literally wouldn't let go for about five minutes, even though I was like, come on, come on. And he's like still holding on. And it just sort of clicked in that I was fulfilling a need, that there was this space where I can serve and feel great about serving, providing some knowledge, information and resource and even just presence Mm -hmm. in the life of a child. And to see how impactful that was in that moment, even not knowing what I was going to do with my career, I thought I was going to be in television production. But once I left the college experience, you know what happens six months after you leave college. They start knocking on the door for those student loan repayments. So (laughs) I had to figure something out. I couldn't find anything in television. And a friend of mine that worked at a nonprofit organization in the South Bronx called me up and said, you're good with kids. Kids always gravitate to you. Why don't you come work for us? And it was a part-time position in the South Bronx. My job was to talk to hustlers on the street corner and get them to connect to something more life-sustaining. And through that process, you're able to reach some and some not so much. And 
I try to be motivated by the ones I'm not able to reach and leverage that as more motivation to try to reach as many as I can. That's really powerful. All of those experiences, I had similar experiences tutoring, and you realize that there's a world outside of finding the job, doing a career, and presence is definitely important. I want to talk a little bit about what you do at the National Summer Learning Association. Absolutely. So at NSLA, we're a capacity building organization. We're a convener. We bring together leaders in the summer learning and out-of-school time space to talk about what it means not only to provide access, because we know access is an issue, and we want to make sure that there's equitable access. But the other key point in our terminology is high quality. So it's not Mm -hmm. enough to just have a child in a program. If the program is not high quality, then we're not going to move young people to the outcomes that we know that they're capable of, right? So we talk to educators about how do you keep young people safe? What does safety look like, feel like, and sound like at your program? How do you support young people? How do you provide them opportunities to interact and truly engage at the top of the pyramid? When we say engagement, we're talking beyond attendance. Mm -hmm. Engagement for us is young people having voice and choice, autonomy, getting an opportunity to plan what they do, do that awesome stuff that they do, and then reflect on what they've done as a result, which we know are skills that we need in life as we engage in our life work and, and our vocations as we go out and take care of ourselves and our families. So out-of-school time is a wonderful place where young people can practice those emerging social skills. So we spend a lot of time working with practitioners directly to get them to rediscover and re-embrace and remind them of the promise that exists in the out-of-school time space and what their role is in that. So while we don't provide direct services, we don't provide programming in the summertime. Mm -hmm. We do have a few demonstration projects because we like to put names and faces to our work. We call them demonstration and model programs. So we do have a youth leadership institute that we did last summer for the first time. We brought 100 young people and families and staff to Washington, D.C. They stayed at American University. We went through all kinds of leadership training and development. So the young people had their track and then the adults had their track. Oh, that's awesome. And then another parent-facing piece that we have is about awareness. I'm still surprised with all the technological tools that we have today that folks still don't know. I didn't know that program was over there, or I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that this resource was in my Mm -hmm. community. So how can parents find them? We created what we call discoversummer.org, parent-facing portal. Just like a Google search engine, you can go and put your zip code in and it will populate with all the programs and opportunities that are within five miles of your address, which is wonderful to have that. We're also leveraging that platform as an opportunity to educate parents about what quality is. I know, anecdotally, (laughs) when you need that childcare over the summertime, sometimes parents don't necessarily do all of the research. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just like, what week, what hours can I get the coverage, right? And working with parents to understand their own personal power and how much their voice matters. And that's an important group to step up and recognize what quality is. So it's beyond just you have the outlet covers on the power sockets, right? (laughs) That's basic. (laughs) (laughs) It's basic safety. But beyond that, talking about what Mm -hmm. the vibe feels like in the program, Mm -hmm. do the staff provide clear opportunities for young people to plan and do that thing that they do? Are the adults supporting them by participating alongside them? So we don't just give kids stuff to do and then go stand on the side with our phones. We're in the trenches with them. We're at eye level with them. So we work with practitioners to understand those pieces. 
but it's equally as valuable to make sure that parents understand that not only this is what quality looks like, feels like, and sounds like, but this is what you deserve. Every parent Mm -hmm. deserves to have a high-quality summer learning experience. Every child deserves to be met by an adult practitioner that has the knowledge and the skills and the competencies, and I would even say the disposition to serve young people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pick up on that, Broderick, because I think you mentioned this, that so much of the work you do at NSLA is really about equitable access and that not all families do have that same access to high quality programming is an assumption I would make. I'd love to hear from you a little bit about that landscape. Mm -hmm. Like, are there summer learning programming deserts? It's a great question. And I'll tell you that there's really no body that I've seen who's able to answer that question scientifically. It's actually one of the things Mm -hmm. that we're aspiring to and going to invest in, which is how many young people are actually in programs in the summertime? How many are not? How many more need it? How many more want it? But you can dig around for ages and that data is just not available. So we're going to leverage that as a clear opportunity to put our money where our mouth is and invest in a thermometer to know also to make sure that we're not double and triple counting kids, because we know that takes place at the same time, too. If you look at that final number that folks talk about with respect to kids involved in programs, and you really peel that back a little bit, well, one child is being served by the Boys and Girls Club, and then goes to the Y, and then mm-hmm. from the Y goes over here. And of course, they're not differentiating between those organizations. It's just like, I need to go to my after school. So mm-hmm. we, as a field and a sector, can be a lot more scientific and intentional around figuring out systems and ways to collect that data. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. Thank you. I think the other thing that parents are worried about is they want their child to have a well-rounded experience during the summer, but there's a real COVID learning loss that has happened. How can summer programs play a role to alleviate those losses? So there's a lot of data and research out there that shows that when a young person is engaged in a high-quality summer learning and out-of-school-time experience that there's direct connection to their academic achievement. Out-of-school-time is a place where we can explore all different kinds of concepts in a variety of different ways that are non-traditional. A really high-functioning summer learning program is going to move young people and explore academic concepts in a way that's interesting, creative, Mm -hmm. relevant, that is driven by youth interest, and necessitates their involvement. It's about creation. It's about connection. It's about interconnectedness. It's about creating opportunities where young people get to participate in interdependent groups. How many of us adults work with people that seem to have missed that Mm -hmm. lesson? They didn't have a good summer camp. Yeah, (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So I believe that you can use and leverage anything to teach anything And that Mm -hmm. if you look at every single experience, if you're intentional about it, you can identify the science in it. You can identify the mathematics in it. You can see the literacy in and about it. And where the magic happens is you have a staff person. That's their superpower, right? I'm going to create this experience. And I know that I have academic ends embedded in this experience. But the young people don't need to know that up front. They experience it. And at the end, you're like, did you realize that you all just talked about drag and airplanes and weight and scale and and all of that. So we continue to advocate with educators like, look, you're not the day school teacher. Out of school time and summer Mm. learning is not day school. Now let's pause for a moment and celebrate the day school folks. Those folks do amazing work. (laughs) Yeah, They do amazing work on behalf of our children and families. But out of school time is not that space. 
There mm-hmm. are things that go on in the day school that out-of-school time could certainly appreciate and benefit from and should incorporate into their craft, but also vice versa. There are things that we do in the out-of-school time space that if you look at the best teachers, the most dynamic teachers, they're essentially doing all that we do in the out-of-school time space. It reminds me of that yeah. viral video where the brother was standing outside the classroom door and gives every single child an individual handshake. Oh, well, that's yes. not in his contract to do that, but just yeah. look at the eyes and the minds of those young people. You see the energy yes. passing between them, and that's what's going to strengthen that relationship, that individual relationship with each child, something as simple as a creative handshake. So mm-hmm. we just continue. That's the magic. Make the magic happen. Teach the mathematical concepts, but just don't do it in the traditional way. You're inspiring me because I do look at the road ahead of me. I mean, I have two children and I do want my children to have a fulfilling, well-rounded experience. So one thing that I recommend that I did a few weeks ago is my son is quite traumatic. People at PTA probably wonder where he gets that from, me. (laughs) (laughs) But I found an opportunity where he could do a preview to a summer program experience. And it was an acting class. And he got to pick and choose which ones he wanted to preview. So he previewed two of them. And he loved them. And they have like a kid's play that we're going to take him to this weekend. But that's something that I'm learning. Try it out. See if they're interested. It's free. Totally. (laughs) Make decisions. It's Mm -hmm. one of those things. I know that in the world of -of out-of-school time and nonprofits, we tend to focus on the most vulnerable youth. And rightfully so. But they're also vulnerable youth. (laughs) I was in that vulnerable category, right? You didn't have so much that you can afford Mm -hmm. all these things, but you didn't have so little to qualify for some things. So you left in that little bit of limbo. So as we continue to provide opportunities for our most vulnerable young people, I would just encourage us not to forget about those young people that are right there on the edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One way to address families who can't afford all this private programming, many cities, like I get Every quarter, this awesome thick book from Alexandria Parks and Rec Mm -hmm. with all the different programs. But it is a lot to manage. So I'm curious from your perspective, working with so many different municipalities and organizations in this space, are there best practices for helping parents really know locally what is available and how to navigate that? Because it is a lot to take in and a lot to (laughs) figure out. What are you seeing? Totally. So every program is not created equal from a quality standpoint. I think it just begins with understanding what quality is, what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like. All programs should keep young people safe, provide a supportive environment, give them multiple opportunities to interact and engage. With respect to what parents can do, I would say know your program personnel. Get to know them at the site. Identify where the program is, call and speak to the program director. And I'm speaking from someone who has run a program before. Like, I actually would have welcomed this. Don't just take the enrollment form and immediately enroll your child. Come and see what the program is like. Maybe come and stay for the first half hour in the program. Bring your child one day for a visit. Have them navigate the space a little bit and see how they feel about it. Do that kind of research. Just don't randomly drop your child in any program. I hesitated a little bit because I feel the tension of need, like you need the child care, I need an opening, I need that space. But to be quite honest with you, sometimes it might fulfill that immediate need, but it's not worth it in the end if it's not a quality experience for that child. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll also share, too, that for parents to know that just because a program has an accreditation seal, and accreditation is important, (laughs) accreditation is really about the baseline of student safety. 
but wow. it doesn't necessarily mean it's a quality program. You can have a program that is accredited and it has that seal, accredited by the National Parks and Recreation Association, but that does not necessarily equate to a quality experience. And the only way you can assess that is being in the space and feeling the vibe. You have shared so much great information with us today. I feel like I'm definitely walking away with a better understanding of, like you said, not just fill in the slot, even though it's urgent to fill. Of all the things you've shared, Broderick, what is something you really want parents to walk away from today's conversation with? That young people will thrive when they feel safe and they're supported and given opportunities to interact and engage. And that's in programming, that's in the day school, that's even at home. Like One of the things I used to do, I speak for a living, so I talk all the time. When I come home in the evening, the last thing I want to do is talk, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But then my son knocks on the door with a question, an open-ended, wonderful question. I have to stop and engage (laughs) because if I do what I felt like in that moment, right, shut it down, all it takes is that one time to shut the conversation down with that child and they may not come back and ask again. So as much as we advocate for these positive youth development practices and principles, they're great for programming. The best out-of-school time program is the living room and dining room and backyard and the dinner table. That's the best out-of-school time program. So practice those skills and techniques at home because young people, when they are met with positive youth development, they will respond and they will thrive. The other piece I want parents to understand too is let's not forget about our older youth. Sometimes when they get past middle school and they can vote with their feet and move around, and that kind of thing. There's less opportunity for older youth. So let's not forget that although you don't need the childcare anymore necessarily for them, that they still need a high quality summer learning experience the same way our youngest kiddos do. Awesome. And if parents want to learn more about you and NSLA, any resources or websites or social media handles you want to give a shout out to? Yeah. So I'll keep it simple there. If you go to summerlearning.org, There's some wonderful information about what quality is. It's very practitioner-focused, but it's a lot of great reading there. And you also might find some opportunities. So if there's any parents there that has a high school-age young person that is interested in having the young person attend our National Youth Leadership Institute, we only bring 100 to Washington, D.C., but I'm going to go ahead Uh and put it out there on this call to your constituents and say, if you're really interested in that, check us out on the website and give me a call. And then... Jump to discoversummer.org. If you're interested in a program or looking for a program, we vetted those programs. Mm. There are literally thousands, I think 15 to 30,000 programs that are in that database that are all vetted. So if you find something there, it's going to be a high quality experience for your young person. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. It was an honor and a privilege. I appreciate the opportunity, no doubt. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. Please remember to visit our Apple podcast page and leave a rating and review. Let us know what topics you're interested in hearing more about. And as always, for more resources, including the ones that Broderick just shared, please check out notesfromthebackpack.com. Thanks and join us next time. Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpack notes. <laughs>